When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Coach Grice, here we are, another week deep into the playoffs. Uh, moving forward, got a lot of action going on this week on the Talking Preps OT podcast. And uh, hey, it's playoff time. It's like we got to flip the switch and bring in the big timer. And I think we've done it today, uh, bringing in uh, Julius Chambers head coach, uh, Glenwood Ferriby. Uh, big time today, and you made it happen, Coach. Man, this is, you know, I, like I always tell those guys over there, man, professionally, I hate you. But personally, I mean, it's a guy that I consider a friend and a guy that, you know, I, I want to, you know, get everybody the chance to get to understand him and get to know him. I mean, he's a fantastic guy, first class guy. And I think, you know, he's had a lot of great experiences that, you know, fit in line with a lot of the guests that we've had. So to, to me, it was a no brainer. I'm glad we could get coach on here. Well, let's not waste time. Uh, let's bring him in here to the Talking Preps OT studio. I uh, bring on the Julius Chambers head coach, Glenwood Ferriby, so we can maximize all this uh, time we've got with him today. Hey, Coach, uh, appreciate you joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, of course, Coach. Hey, you know I was going to get you on here. I'll tell you all the time. <laughs> we, hey, we got to get you out here more, Coach. You, you're, too, you're too behind the scenes for me. But, you know, it's great <laughs> to have you on here to talk with us. Um, you know, we're going to start this how we start with everybody. And I think even more so it's so important for you. You know, you kind of came on the scene here you know, honestly, to the I would say more you know middle or tail end of your coaching career. So, can you walk us back and, and kind of give us the start of your you know playing career, coaching history, and how you got to this point? Uh, well, I went to high school in JB's Virginia. Uh, funny thing is, me and Plexico Burris was high school teammates uh, coming out of high school. Uh, I was a quarterback, and he was my wide out. Uh, from there on, I went to uh, Liberty University and played under Sam Tigliano, uh, the Cleveland uh, Browns. Uh, former head coach from years, years back. Uh, and I got into coaching, man, at the age 22, fresh out of college. Uh, did a few assistant jobs and got a couple of coordinator jobs, and I got my first head coaching job at the age 29 at a school called Lakeland High School out in Suffolk, Virginia. I uh, was there for five years. Uh, when I took that program over, they were 0-10, like three years in a row before I got the job. Uh, so I think that's one of the most challenging jobs that I've had since you know I started coaching, uh, to be able to take a program like that and being able to turn it around and uh, play a team like Oscar Smith every year. Uh, then a couple of years, we played them down to the wire, we played them down to the wire. And I think I had maybe 1,300 kids in, this, in the building. And I think Oscar Smith had like 2,900. Uh, from there, I went to Hampton University as an offensive coordinator, uh, quarterback coach uh, for a year. Uh, and then I landed at Indian River High School, uh, where Alonzo Morning uh, graduated from. Uh, a historic, uh, historic program in Chesapeake uh, that was, you know, looking to rebound itself. It was in the same situation as Lakeland. Uh, I think they were 0-10, two years prior to me taking that job. Uh, then the first year I was there, we went to the playoffs. Second year, we was in the state semifinals. Uh, stayed there for five years and then ended up here at Vance. Ended up here at Vance. Well, Chambers. I'm sorry, Chambers. 
No, good to see that's a, a struggle for, for everybody, you know, trying to trying to switch the names, albeit for a wonderful reason. Well, let's go back to that. I always talk about, you know, the story like, you know, we got, you know, in the spring, we got our butts kicked, uh, you know, by a large margin um, against <laughs> when I was at Hopewell. But, you know, one of the big things that you said to me was, you know, you'd been there before. Um, so, you know, you talked about at Lakeland at Indian River coaching against, you know, a top team such as Oscar Smith. You know, can you talk about that that time and, you know, going into some of those games and your mentality where you knew, like, hey, we got to give everything we got. I don't have the guys like I have here at Chambers. You know, how did you handle that? And what were some of the funny stories of just trying to get guys ready and maybe it not working like you thought? Oh, man, it was rough. Uh, it was it was a rough few years uh, to get those guys going and getting them confident enough, you know, to go out and, uh, play a team like Oscar Smith, that was a state perennial uh, powerhouse. Uh, but we took the small wins, man. We took the small wins. And I think that's, you know, the way that we built that program up. Uh, and any program that I took over that was like, that. you take the small wins. Uh, we had two other schools in Suffolk, uh, Nancy River High School and Kingsford High School. So the first to start off, we wanted to be the city champs. So we wanted to beat Kingsford and Nancy River to, you know, get our confidence going. Uh, and then going to an Oscar Smith and, you know, lay it all on the line. Uh, and we took the smallest wins in those games. Even though we got beat, you know, sometimes it was 49 to 7 or 49 nothing. It was 7 nothing at halftime. So those were the little small wins that, you know, we took where I said, hey, we can play with those guys. We just got to play a full four quarters uh, and get in the weight room and do those type of things. And, you know, once they started to gain that confidence, that's when the program turned because we won a couple of city championships. We played Oscar Smith tough. And then Oscar Smith became the measuring stick uh, for us. We prepared to beat Oscar Smith every week. Even though we didn't play by Oscar Smith, we prepared to beat Oscar Smith every week. And that carried us all the way through the season to play Oscar Smith. Hey, Coach, you mentioned Oscar Smith. I had a chance to go up there and watch them play a couple of years ago. And they, they come out there with the, the, tight, the cage or whatever it is. All the guys get in there and they start rocking and rolling. I mean, I think that's an incredible <coughs> football. And you're right. I mean, they are kind of the standard up there and have been for a long time. Uh, but just talk about that 757 in, in general. You know, you look back in history, you know, Lawrence Taylor, Ronald Curry, Michael Vick, I think Allen Iverson even came from there maybe. Uh, I mean, that's the, what, what is it about that area that has just produced such tremendous football talent? It's, it's a, a talent-rich area, man. It's kind of like – it reminds me of Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte's, uh, you know, much bigger. It's much bigger. Uh, but – the talent level is about even. I know the kids here are a little bigger. <laughs> They're a little bigger than uh, the kids I had back home. Uh, but over the years, man, it's, you can see it. Uh, the competition level with guys playing each other back and back. Basketball-wise, it was AAU. They were, you were playing on the same AAU basketball team, so they were competing with each other. Uh, or they were playing pop Warner ball against each other. So it was more or less them competing with, against each other early on in their careers to make them who the guys that they were. Uh, and it's been, it's been a lot of guys. I think we're missing some guys. You got J.R. Reed. You got Alonzo Mourning. Uh, Joe Smith, which was the number one pick in the NBA draft. Uh, a lot of guys I've forgotten about because of guys like Adam Allison and Michael Vick. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, nah, man, it's it's a talent. It's a talent-rich area, the talent-rich area. And it's going to continue to be that way uh, as long as they keep competing against each other at a young age. And just to follow, Coach, you know, you, you're familiar with all that talent there in, in the Tidewater region. It's phenomenal. And then obviously the Northern Virginia area up there, the D.C. area, north of Richmond's also got a tremendous amount of talent. Uh, and I've even seen some good ball come out of, you know, the Danville area, kind of that area as well. Yes. Uh, but you know that area and that state so well. How do you see North Carolina competing just from a talent standpoint and, and maybe a toughness of 
making a state championship run in one state versus the other and just kind of give us a comparison of the two. Um, I think, I think Charlotte football, uh, I can't speak for the rest of the state, uh, but the Charlotte football in the Mecklenburg County, we're much bigger, we're much bigger and we're much stronger and we're tougher, a little tougher here than it would be back home. Um, the guys back home, like when I first got here, the team that I had and the team that Mallory Creek had, if you took one of those teams back home, uh, that some of them teams would look like middle school teams compared to the size of the guys that uh, were on those teams. So that's a major difference. Uh, my safety my first year, uh, Jordan uh, Harris would have been probably a middle linebacker uh, back at home, but he was a free safety for us. He would have been, a, he probably would have been a three or four star linebacker back at home but just off his size and the way that he runs and the way that he hits. So the the size difference is much bigger. The kids are much bigger here than they are back home. No, I can understand that for sure. Um, you know, one thing I want to get back to, you know, talking about you coaching, um, you know, in the 757 area, you know, you were at Indian River. Uh, one thing, you know, in fact, you've told me, you know, you coach with actually with your brother, um, who is now the head coach yeah. at Indian River High School. Can you talk about, you know, coaching with him and how that relationship was and is? And, you know, hey, could we get another Fairby here in Charlotte? I mean, you know, what are the chances? <laughs> uh, I've worked on it. I've worked on it with him. But, you know, everybody everybody that's young wants to be a head coach. Uh, so he's a head coach right now, and he's doing, he's doing pretty well. Uh, he's, you know, taking that program over from when I left uh, and maintained it. And he has a young team this year. Uh, but it's been times, man, where me and my brother been we bit each other's head off <laughs> in the middle of a game because uh, we're both competitive and you know things like that. So it's fun. It's fun to see him now call me for advice uh, when I was trying to give him advice way back then, <laughs> and then he didn't listen. Uh, but now he understands that a head coach job is a little different than being an assistant. So he takes the advice from me and he runs with it. Uh, they're doing pretty well. They're doing pretty well. What was that moment, you know, coaching with your brother? What was that moment where Big Brother was right? You're sitting here telling him something, and he's beating his head against the wall, and then you're actually right. What was that story? Because I know, I know you got that story there. So he used to, he used to, you know, come to practice late sometimes, and I was like, hey man, you, you got to act like a head football coach. You got to be in practice on time. So now that he has, now that he has the head coaching job, his coach is uh, short in practice late, and he'd be pissed. He'd be pissed, and I say, hey now. Being that you're, I'm your brother, you should do me the same way. So this is karma. <laughs> this is karma. Uh, and then and him having to deal with parents uh, is the biggest thing. Uh, and if you have a coach with me, I allow my coaches to coach. I'm, I, you know, I'm trying to see your thing and, you know, be around and help. And, you know, because I've been coaching head coach for the, uh, 15, 15 years now. Uh, so it's not as imperative to me to call plays and you know to do those things but you know i just want to help young guys grow like somebody helped me grow when i was coming up uh so i dealt with the parents and things back home and he never had to deal with the parents so now that he has to deal with the parents the advice i gave him when i left i said hey you know some things you you know you shouldn't do and he did it anyway and that backfired on him so now now he's calling me for more advice <laughs> No, sometimes it happens that way. Big brother's right. Um, but, you know, I, I think, you know, we kind of want to flip to you coming from the 757 and making your way down here to Charlotte. Can you talk about that transition, how it came about? Because, I mean, I think, you know, when the job came open, we all knew that was a high-profile job, even with that short time frame, you know, being able to get in, get settled, establish everything, and get a season going. So talk about that and, you know, even what made you leave at such a late, you know, late time in the football calendar. 
Uh, it was funny, man. You know, I, the crazy thing is I've been trying to get to Charlotte for almost three years. I applied for the RJ Kill job. I applied for the Huff job. I applied for the West Charlotte job. Uh, what else? I applied for the ND, the independence job uh, a few years back uh, and didn't get a call, didn't get an interview. Uh, so the crazy thing was we had just came off a 13 and one season. Uh, finally had beat Oscar Smith. Uh, in the school's 20 year, it was like a 20 year drought from them beating Oscar Smith, and we finally beat them. Uh, so we was riding high. Uh, I had a pretty good team coming back as well. Uh, and just so happened, uh, one of the coaches on staff here at uh, Vance had seen me speak at the Virginia Tech Clinic uh, and reached out to me about the job. And I didn't even, to be honest with you, I didn't even know anything about uh, Vance. Uh, I had to go, you know, do my research, watch Huddle Film, you know, to see what, you know, type of job it was. And to my surprise, it, it was a pretty good job. <laughs> it was a pretty good job. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Carlos Richardson had graduated from Norfolk State. So he had knew some guys that I had coached with over, you know, the years that went to Norfolk State with him. Uh, so he reached out to those guys, you know, do a little, do a little history on me. Uh, and then, you know, he called me and offered me the job. Uh, and everything else, you know, I talked to Coach Brand about the job, uh, you know, once the process was going on, I talked to him about the job, and we had a few conversations about it, and, you know, he basically told me, say, hey, for you, he said, I think you'd be a good fit, I think you'd be a good fit, uh, and my son was living in Atlanta at the time, so I had been trying to either get here or to Atlanta somewhere mid midway or in uh, Atlanta to be able to be closer to my son, because I, I, my son had moved to Georgia when he was three, when he was three, so for like six years, I was living in Virginia, he was living in uh, Georgia. So that was you know, the reason why I took the job so late because it was like, okay, I didn't apply for this job. You know, they came looking for me. So it was a no brainer once I watched the film and seen guys like Power Echoes coming back. I seen Stephon Thompson, and, you know, Steven Sings and all those guys coming back. And I even looked at that team and I said, hey, I said, I could possibly win a state championship with this team even before I stepped foot in the building. I looked at him and said I probably could win a state championship with him. Uh, so that's what led me here. Well, Coach, uh, just for the record, I'm going to throw it out there because you've probably just immensely upset the fan base at AK and at Indy and at West Charlotte <laughs> uh, for them passing over you and and, and and talk about hindsight being what it is. Uh, you you got to say that's probably a boneheaded move by them. Uh, but anyway, you kind of answer the question I was going to throw out there is if you were surprised uh, with just how quickly you put the team together at, at then Vance and, and, and made that st that championship run. Um, but I wanted to talk about Power Power Reckles. I mean, obviously, I think that he is one of the best players I've seen. Uh, you know, I look at that guy very, very rarely. You know, I've been either as a coach since 98 or dealing with media and stuff for the past 15 or 20 years. You know, I look and, you know, very rarely will I ever try to say, hey, that guy's an NFL or that guy's going to play on Sunday. But I look at Power Reckles <coughs> just appears to be the most complete player that I think I've ever seen. And, and just kind of wanted to, to, to just get you to talk about that and, and how he fit into, you know, you making that championship run so early. Uh, when I, when I talked to coach brand, when I talked to coach brand about the job, that was one of the guys that he pointed out. He said, coach, he said, that kid, he said, you're going to be amazed at what type of kid he is. Uh, Cause you know, powers in Arizona when I, when I first got the job. So I didn't get to actually meet power until the summer. So I had never, you know, met him. I talked to him on the phone, uh, but I had never seen him practice, never seen him run, never seen him do anything. 
until he came back for the summer. We was in the uh, Poway Passing League uh, tournament. Uh, he came back probably a day or two before that, and he played. Uh, just to see him run around, man, uh, he's 100 miles per hour all the time. And it's, it's rare that you find a kid like that. He, he literally, you know how they say practice the way you play? He literally does that. He literally does that. He's running from sideline to sideline. He's chasing uh, deep balls from Mike Linebacker. And it was amazing to see. And like I told the coaches, you know, when I got I said, Coach, he's going to be a day one pick. If he can stay healthy and he gets to college, he's going to be a day one pick. And then not even off his athletic ability. It's more that's him being a leader. And I think that's his biggest quality, uh, him being a leader and getting the other guys around him to play with the same intensity that he played with. So when he when he left, it kind of, you know, was like, who's going who to have to replace him? <laughs> who's going to have to replace him? Uh, but we've done a pretty good job uh, with, you know, some of the younger guys that played behind him, uh, you know, trying to replicate some of the things that he did when he was here. So he, he made a good measuring stick for us, Coach. Speaking of another guy that runs 100 miles an hour, uh, you, you've got that little junior in the backfield, um, Hollywood, Daylon Smothers. Uh, I think that he is probably the most electric running back athlete that I've seen in this state, just in terms of just an electric cuts and quickness and, and just the pizzazz that he's got on the field, probably since Nick Maddox, who played at Kannapolis in 96, 97, 98, went on to play at Florida State and had a brief NFL career. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, he's just kind of got that same little stop and go electricity. You know, you don't necessarily have the numbers because you don't have to rely on him every play like maybe some teams would. Uh, but just tell us what it's like to coach him. And it just maybe, you know, we only see the small snapshot of him on Friday nights, but what it's like to coach him during practice and and what kind of kid he is. A uh, great kid, man. Uh, and he's he's been a he's been a blessing uh for us. Uh he works his tail off, even you know, during the offseason, he works out. Uh especially during that COVID season, you can you know see his Twitter. He was out there working out on his own. Uh he has goals that he set for himself. He has goals that he sets for himself. And he's doing everything uh, he can to achieve them. Uh, and he's holding his teammates accountable. He's holding his teammates accountable. Um, and like I said, them guys seen what Power Echoes and Stephon Thompson, you know, did when they were here. And they're trying to replicate it. They're trying to replicate it, holding guys accountable, uh, working hard themselves in practice. Um, and I think the thing about Hollywood, I I've seen Percy Harden play in person. And he has that same type of start and go like Percy Harden had. He may not as be as, you know, straight line fast as Percy, but that that effect that he has on the game where every time he touches the ball, it could go to it could go to distance. Uh that's the type of effect that he brings to the uh to our team where you have the game plan for him. You have the game plan. Even outside of the guys like uh, Concepcion and the quarterback uh and Sean Camp and those guys, you still have to prepare for Hollywood, uh, which gives us, you know, which gives us some leeway on offense. So he's a blessing to have. Definitely, and a, and a curse for some of us trying to stop him and, and be <laughs> successful as well, I, I'll, I'll add there. Um, you know, I kind of want to talk about, you know, we talked about you getting here to Charlotte, um, you know, but also coming into an established program as Vance now Chambers, you know, is and was, you know, it's kind of a tricky balance of establishing who you are and infusing your culture as opposed to, you know, allowing that established culture to kind of coexist in that weird way. I feel like you've done an, you know, an amazing job and are a great case study for guys that are trying to do that. And I mean, could you kind of go into detail about your thoughts coming in and establishing your culture and how we can see now it's clearly your team, but how that yeah. slowly kind of matriculated over time? Um, I think when you when you've coached teams that have been 0 and 10 and they have a losing mentality, you have to go in there and instill a, instill a culture. 
into that program, a winning culture in that program. Uh, and everybody, every head coach has their their thing that they do. When I took this job, I didn't have to disturb the culture that was already here. I didn't have to disturb it. They already knew how to win. They already knew how to work hard. But the thing about the difference, I think the difference between me and Brand, Brand is more of a militant. He's more of a militant type coach just from hearing the stories. I have never seen him coach up uh, in person. He's more of a militant guy, you know, in your face, you know, get on the kids. I do some of the same things, but I have fun with my kids. And I think, you know, that's what you see. You see that on film. My kids celebrate with each other running down, you know, to the end zone and doing those things. I, I didn't have to change much from Coach Brand. And I think if I would have done that, I think it would have backfired uh, on me. Because you can see when I first got here, you can see the resistance. And I think a lot of people didn't see that, you know, the first couple weeks uh, of the season. You met a lot of resistance. You met a lot of resistance. I think things changed with my team, uh, Lake Norman, when we had to come down, come back and win. Uh, I think in the last minute of the game, we scored and had to kick an onside kick, got an onside kick, and we had to score again. And I never panicked. I never panicked. And, you know, I told the kids, I said, if we settle down, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. And so I think now they have adapted that no game is, you know, too big for them. So they always play calm. After that game, they always play calm. Uh, so that's the thing. I think that's the culture that I, you know, instilled uh, into them from that game on. But I did meet a lot of resistance uh, leading up to that, you know, to that moment. And then after that, they was like, okay, well, I guess coach does know what he's talking about. <laughs> and we just ran with it after that. We just ran with it after that. But, you know, as a head football coach, you want to you wanna build a program in your image. I mean, I think that's why we take jobs. But, you know, when I took this job over, we had a bunch of seniors. Uh, that had been here three or four years. Uh, we had some juniors that that were starters for two years. You don't want to disturb that, but so much, especially when they're already winning. And I think that's what I think that's what I did uh, here. I didn't disturb it much. Coach Brand, I mean, Coach Brand did a heck of a job with these guys. And I tell the people all the time, we didn't lift weights at Indian River the way that we lift weights here. And I didn't I didn't require my team to do it. Uh, but, you know, Coach Brand instilled in these kids that they lift weights five times a week. So that was new to me. That was new to me. So now we lift five times a week. So I took some stuff from Coach Brand that was already instilled in his program and left it here and left it here. So that's a testament of the type of coach that he was when he was here. No, that's, that's awesome. And, yeah, for everyone knows for sure, uh, Coach Brand made sure his, his guys got in the weight room. And, you know, you guys look like you can continue that trend. Uh, yes, kind of you know, yes, following up on that, you know, you guys as a football program, I would say are probably one of the most social, you know, media present teams, I think, out there. And I think that's something that's helped. And even uh, you know, people that maybe don't know you would think that's against or, or not in the same direction that you would kind of have your team. Can you talk about that and talk about hey, you got to talk about the quarter of the year, even though I'm at Creek, you got to talk about the quarter of the year. It ain't a robbery if they can't win. No more. <laughs> so, so talk about that and just how <laughs> That has kind of played into your culture and building that brand over there at Julius Chambers. Um, when I first got here, when I first got here, I'm not a big, I'm not a big social media guy. I never was. Um, but you hire guys on your staff uh, that you know have been in Charlotte for a while, that know the landscape of the uh, the uh, city. They know the landscape of the city, and you know a lot of them guys know what it knows what it takes to you know survive in Charlotte. Uh, so Coach Lash, Coach Lash, encouraged me to. Unblock my uh my Twitter my uh, 
Instagram and all that. Everything was on private when I first got here. Now everything is uh, what's the name? Because he said, Coach, people need to know who you are. If we're going to brand this thing the right way, people need to know who you are. Uh, so I kind of let him take that on itself. You know, long as long as we're not doing anything malicious and, you know, giving myself in the school a bad name, you know, I'm all for it. Uh, and I'm glad I did because now, you know, look at us. We're people across the nation know, you know, who we are now. Uh, so I think it's a good thing. And, you know, sometimes it can be a, a bad thing as well. Uh, and hopefully it don't turn bad. Hopefully we won't, you know, put out these videos and we lose. And now, you know, everybody come to our heads after that. <laughs> but, no, nah, it's been good, man. It's been good. The kids love it. The kids love it. Uh, you know, and that's why they play hard. They play hard because they know the coaches and the staff are going to go hard for them, uh, whether it's social media. Uh, and I think social media helps out recruiting with our kids as well. Uh because, you know, college coaches, even, man, the funny story was we uh, the Carolina Panthers donated uh, some equipment to us. And the equipment guy drove up in his truck and got out. And, Coach, he follows us on social media. He said, I love watching your video. The equipment, the equipment is from Carolina Panthers. Yeah. So I knew then that social media plays an effect because you take a guy that's at the NFL team and he's following your uh, page just to see, you know, the kids having fun and, you know, watching the videos. Wow. Uh, great stuff, Coach. A uh, couple questions left for me. Uh, and, and I want to throw yes, this sir. out there. I think that you are arguably, and it ain't even really arguably, you guys are in the toughest uh, 4A conference and just conference period in the state. Uh, you know, Bryce, they're doing this little uh, left and right fight club uh, thing. And, and it's true. It is what it is. You know, when you've got Huff this year that is just seemingly firing on all cylinders, uh, you know, Mallory Creek is what it is. You know, I know they've struggled, but I still think that they're a phenomenal team. As as case proven, they're still playing. Uh, and yes, you've had some good teams in there, uh, you guys included. Uh, and even, you know, off of North Mech, you know, they're they're not a shabby team. West Charlotte showed us this year. They, they're they on the rise. Uh, so I say that and, and also kind of throwing it out there, you guys played a very ultra-aggressive schedule. Uh, and I wanted to ask, you know, you are you willing – and how is being willing to maybe take some lumps early in a season or take a loss here and there because of your conference? Uh, how, how do you feel about that? Obviously, you want to win every game. But, you know, <coughs> playing those tough games and being willing to take a loss in, in September or um, October, I think, makes you better for this time of football year when it's live or die every week with the playoffs. And how that road has helped you get to where you're at today. Uh, and, and with that, do you think you guys have a – fighting chance at another championship with the target on your back. Let's, let's just be, it is what it is. Everybody wants to yeah. come and get these chambers because you've been taking a bite out of them all year long in the past two or three years. Uh, yeah, man, uh, playing those tough games early, uh, we knew, we knew we were, we we're young. We we're young up front uh, and we're young, we're young, period. Uh, I don't think people realize how young we actually are. Uh, we return our whole offense next year, except for one. I think we return 10 starters next year uh, on our offense. So you want to get those guys battle tested. You want to get those guys battle tested uh, to prepare yourself for the playoff gauntlet uh, later on in the year. And I learned that from Richard Morgan from Oscar Smith. He used to play a tough schedule early, playing the national games and things like that because he had won a couple of state championships in Virginia. So to keep that thing going, you want to you want to get your kids playing teams that could possibly beat them, so they don't get the big head uh, to say, okay, well we're gonna play this cupcake schedule and continue to win and then get to the playoffs and have a mental breakdown. So, you know, sometimes losses are good for you 
And sometimes, you know, those tough games are good for you. Uh, so we want to play those tough games. And we're going to, as long as I'm here, we're going to continue to play them. Uh, and we want to play the national, the national type of schedule uh, so we can be battle-tested going into the playoffs uh, at the end of the year. Yeah, Coach, I, like I said, I understand that, you know, mentality. And, I mean, we say the same thing. Like, we talk about, you know, all these teams we play. You know, we tell them all the time, like, hey, we're not playing a better running back than Hollywood this week, or we're not playing a better O-line than we've seen for this team. And, you know, anybody outside of our conference or outside of our schedule, I think it prepares us well. Um, but, you know, this week, I mean, Coach, I, you know, I, I, of course, was on the on the side. I, I felt like I was going to make the, uh, the highlight video this week like Griner did, you know, saying it was going to be tough, like – you know, I, I thought it'd be a tough uh, fight club for you guys to get through and make it to a, you know, three-peat. Um, do you guys feel disrespected, not just by my words, but by the general prevailing sense that it's going to be tough, you know, for you guys to do so? And then, you know, what are your thoughts this week on a game Porter Ridge, who, in my mind, had the biggest upset from Friday night in feeding Grimsley in convincing fashion? Um, we, 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 have, we invite some of that adversary, uh, adversity, man, uh, and we invite to talk about us. It's hard to motivate kids, man, after you don't want two state titles back to back. So we try to find everything to motivate ourselves. Uh, so, you know, when you hear comments uh, online or, uh, you know, posts on Facebook, we use that as bulletin board material for our kids to go out and play hard, to go out and play hard. Uh, and it helps. It helps. So um, a little bit of it, you know, we kind of take as disrespect because we are, the uh, you know, the two-time state champions. Uh, back to back. And, you know, and I explained to the kids, I said, man, you know, Floyd Mayweather never lost, but everybody pays to see him lose. <laughs> People don't pay to see Mayweather win, you know, when they're paying the paper, they're paying to see him lose and he never loses. I said, so you got to take it in stride. It comes with the territory. Uh, but, you know, I don't take it as disrespect. The kids do. The kids do. Um, so that's good for us. Uh, you know, I, I've been on that. Like I said, I've been on that side. I've been on that side where, you know, you trying to beat a, a Oscar Smith and you know you can beat him if you don't make mistakes. So you kind of discredit them uh, sometimes because they win so much that you just hate to see them win all the time because you, you, everybody wants to beat them. Um, so I don't take it that way. Uh, I know the kids do, and we use it to make it feel like disrespect to the kids so they can go out and play hard each week. And I, I think it's been, it's been working for us. So I hope I hope it keeps going for the rest for the next three or four weeks. <laughs> So we can have our kids motivated to play. Uh, but going to that Hickory Ridge game, man, um, I don't even think we needed more motivation than the close game we played, you know, with them the first time we played them. Uh, we made some mistakes in that game, uh, and the game was close. Uh, but we, you know, as a staff and as a team, we really didn't think the game was actually, you know, indicative of what was on scoreboard because we ran the ball well. Uh, you know, we made some, you know, they made some key stops on fourth and one. Uh, we blown. We blew a couple of assignments, and we knew if we could contain the quarterback, that you know we'll be fine. So we practiced all week, trying to contain the quarterback. We knew he was the thing that made them go, and if we could contain him, we'd be fine. And, you know, we we've been playing a lot of man to man since I've been here. Uh, so we played man to man tonight and sent the house, and I don't think they expected it because we've been playing a lot of zone. Uh, this year more than we you know we normally do you know just trying to get the kids some film to say that hey our kids can play zone some because uh, you know when you play when you try to get your kids recruited you don't want to have them playing man to man all the time where they have to turn their back to the quarterback and not be able to show that they can t-step get out of back pedals drop to their zone 
uh, squeeze a scene, uh, free safety showing range, you know, running from numbers to numbers, trying to get, you know, to the ball. You don't get those things on film in man-to-man all the time. So, you know, we, we set out this year and said, hey, you know, we're going to play some zone this year, you know, just so our kids can be appealing to the college coaches, showing that they can do multifaceted things. Uh, so you're going to blow some assignments, especially when you're playing so much man. Uh, you will have some bonehead plays by some of the kids because they're not used to playing zone. Uh, but when we want to play man and blitz, we can do it because we have the athletes to do it. So we got back to that uh, this week, and it paid dividends for us. Oh, definitely. And I mean, that was a very political way of, of you telling me earlier this week that you thought it wasn't going to be very close. I know you're cool with Jupiter Wilson, Coach Wilson, and you love him and all that. But I'm just going to say you did kind of call your shot Beirut style. But, you know, again, <laughs> that game is over. Let's move to Friday. Porter Ridge, like we talked about, that was a big win. Again, we heard yes. about Grimsley, you know, Two of their guys have been in and out of our, our Mr. Football watch list and Travis Shaw and Alonzo Barnett. They handled them easy, scored a ton of points. What do you think in this week? I don't know if you caught a, a look at them just yet. I know you guys usually have your meeting in the morning. Have you looked at them, you know, in depth yet? What are your thoughts for this Friday? Um, right after right after I get off with you guys, we, that's yep. when we'll watch the film. I glanced at it. I glanced at it uh, last night uh, before I went to sleep. Uh, they're triple option teams, so we're going to have to be disciplined and we're going to have to uh, – play our assignment. Um, and that's, I think that's going to be the key. I think that's going to be the key. When you watch a film of them, guys were, you know, not being accounted for. Guys were not being accounted for. They do, they do a great job of executing their plays. They look like Coastal Carolina. They look exactly like Coastal Carolina. So you have to play disciplined football or that scoreboard can get ugly real quick on you. Definitely, definitely. I understand that. Again, Grayson McCall coming from that program, I mean, there's no makes you know, understand why he's being successful at Coastal. But definitely, yeah. you know, we look forward to, to seeing what you guys are going to do this week. I mean, a uh, big-time game. I mean, you know, we talked about the yes. fight club. You go from here, potentially looking down the road at <clears> that's <throat> between a Mallet Creek or a Hawk. So, I mean, how, you, how do you feel? I mean, you know, with Grimsley going out, we're seeing other teams being knocked off. I mean, do you feel like it increases you guys' chance? I mean, how, how are you feeling overall with the bracket? Um, it's more or less you can't take anybody for granted each week. Uh, and that's what I'm going to preach to my kids because Grimsley, Grimsley was a pretty good team. Uh, and they're not Grimsley also. They're not going to be no pushover. Not going to be a pushover. We got to come out and play our A game and do the things that we're supposed to do. And I think each week, man, if you go out and not play well, you could be going home. Uh, and I told my kids, you know, before we went to Hickory Ridge, I brought a black trash bag out to the game uh, Friday night. And I told him, I said, this is what you're gonna be packing your stuff up in if you if you go out and lay an egg tonight. If you go out and lay an egg tonight, and that's gonna be the model all week. I'm gonna bring that big black trash bag with me each week, so they understand that this could be your last game, and you're putting all your stuff that's in your locker in a big black trash bag, and you're gonna be taking it home. And for some of you, it might be your last game playing football. For some of you, you're going on the basketball. Some of you going on the track and those things. Uh, so, like I said, just trying to find things to motivate them, man. I think I think if we do what we're supposed to do and execute our assignments, um, I think we'll be fine this week. Uh, they're a great football team. I thought they're physical. Uh, and I think that's – remember we spoke earlier about playing early, the gauntlet earlier in the year? Yeah. Those are the type of games that pay you for this type of game because they're real physical. Uh, Holland Springs was physical. Uh, Cardinal Gibbons was physical. So – it's something that we've seen before. So it's not going to come to us and surprise us because we didn't we didn't play Huff. We didn't play the Mallet Creeks. We didn't play the Carter Gibbons. We didn't play the Highland Springs. We played the Glens. So we're 
physically we're going to be prepared. Mentally, we got to get we got to be uh, on board. Well, Coach, I love the black trash bag analogy. You know, if I ever coach again, I want to use that. I mean, that is an exceptional uh, motivational tool because it is what it is. It's very true, very cut and dry. You don't play, you don't go on. So, uh, yeah. so that's great. Uh, and 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 I'm, I have a feeling that it resonates very well with those young men out there who who are playing on the on the field every night. Uh, but one of these days, um, you might be using a trash bag or a box to pack up your office and hang up the coaching whistle. And when that does, you know, there, there's so much more to to Coach Glenwood Ferriby than the, than the championships you've won, the, the numerable amounts of, of wins you, you've accumulated. Uh, what, what do you want your players and your community and, and, and your colleagues, your peers, your, your brother and coaches all around <coughs> the state and the nation? What, what do you want the, the legacy of, of Coach Ferriby to be when you decide to, to move on to your next stage of your career? I just, you know, I cared about kids. Uh, you know, early in my career, I'd had a couple of kids that were murdered. Uh, so I don't take what I'm doing for granted. I don't take what I'm doing for granted because I know those kids look up uh, to me. They look up to the guys on my staff. Uh, so when I leave out of here, I want, you know, everybody to say, you know, Coach Ferg loved his kids, uh, you know, throughout the wins and losses uh, because I wasn't always winning. I wasn't always winning. Uh, so I appreciate the wins now even more than I did back then. But I also appreciate the relationships that, you know, I'm building with these uh, kids uh, and seeing them go off to college and, mainly doing the right thing, you know, not being out in the streets. Uh, and I, thought, I think those are the biggest wins uh, that coaches want. Our kids going off to college and not being out in the streets doing things that they're uh, not supposed to be doing. Um, and when I hire coaches, and this may sound funny, I don't even ask them coaches X and O's questions. I don't. And it may, may seem strange, but I was taught uh, a long time ago that I should know every position on the field. Uh, so I take pride in learning every position on the field to be able to, you know, to coach the guys that I have on the staff, to be able to coach the position. But you can't coach character. You can't coach the guys to care about kids. They got to genuinely have it or they don't. Uh, so I surround myself with guys that actually genuinely care about kids um, and wanting them to do the right things. And I think that's why we're successful. Do we know all the X's and O's? Nah, we don't. Do we, do we practice like normal people do? Nah, we don't. But what we do do well is make sure our kids are doing the right thing uh and we're busting our butts trying to get them up out of here to uh go off to college and i think that resonates to our kids that you know the coaches care about them and they want to run through a wall for us definitely i think you can see that you know resonates with the kids and you can see they act in that same way you know coach i've got to ask you know the, the common question i ask a lot of coaches you know you bless me with a lot of great advice you know myself and you know any of the times that we get up and we talk uh, you know, what would be your advice to a new coach starting out, you know, as he's trying to work his way through his career? Um, you're going to have to take, you're going to have to take the, the jobs that require work. Uh, and before you get those jobs, you want to make sure you're working the job that you're at and doing the things that you need to do, you know, for the coach that you're coaching for, uh, and preparing yourself to be a head football coach, whether that's, you know, like I had to do, learn every position on the field. Uh, you know, doing the dirty work, watching, washing clothes. Um, because at this stage of my career, I don't want to have to do all that stuff. If I have to do it, then I'm going to have to find somebody else uh, to come on staff to be able to do it. Uh, and I think when you do things like that, man, you you get the jobs that you want uh, because you put in the work and you put in the time. And, you know, sometimes it ain't about the wins and losses. You want to do be doing the right things by the kids. You want to be doing the right things by the, you know, the head football coach that you're coaching for. 
Uh, and then when you do get your job, you can do it your way. Uh, and I, this is the thing that I've learned uh, as an assistant over the years. Uh, you're not going to always agree, agree with your head football coach. You're not. Um, you learn lessons. Some lessons are good. Some lessons are, are bad. You take the ones that you want, leave the other ones there, and then when you go build the program, do realize you're going to be have guys on your uh, staff that's going to be questioning you as well. Uh, so just be a good assistant football coach, man. Uh, so when you become a head football coach, that karma doesn't come back to you. Uh, and I think I've I've done that over the years, and I think that's why uh, I'm successful now because, you know, I put in the groundwork when I was young. Um, my first job, we had five. We had five assistants on staff. I think it was six coaches on staff. Uh, I drove 30 minutes, 45 minutes to work every day. Uh, I stayed at the job from 6 till 8 o'clock at night. I picked kids up uh, that didn't have rides, piled them in my car. My dad piled them in his car. Uh, and we taught the kids football. So I put in that groundwork um, that a lot of people don't see behind the scenes. Uh, and I wasn't always winning. So now that I'm at this job, is one of those things where I got guys on my staff now that, you know, take care of all those things. They take care of all those things. Uh, so they make my job easy. Uh, and that's why we've been successful. It ain't, you know, it ain't just me. It's the guys on the staff doing the little small things like washing uniforms, uh, you know, doing the practice schedule, uh, doing the recruiting and uh, things like that that help our program uh, strive. So if you're an assistant coach looking to be a head football coach, do those things for your head coach now so when you get your job, you know what it looks like when you're hiring guys to be able to do those things for you. Definitely. No, that's, that's sound advice. And again, it's on, on par with a lot of the great things that you've given me. Um, you know, one last request, Coach, you know, if you do, if Grice is not right and you guys do uh, get the three-peat, can we get more of a celebration from you than just kind of standing there looking stoic? Like, I know you're fun, but, like, you have these people out here thinking you're not fun. Can we get something, Coach? Like, I know you're a fun guy. You have me laughing all the time. But you just this whole serious-faced, you know, good job. You know, can, can I get a gritty? Can I get something like your kids, man? I got you. I got. I okay. got something special for you. If you, if no, you no, no, I got something special for you. Don't go. Don't don't renege on the bet now. I'm not. I'm not. Man, hey, coach. Like I said, I love you. I, I'm appreciative to have you on here. I'm thankful for you personally in my life. I'm glad we could get you the you know, the on here to talk about yourself. I always say you're the most unassuming back-to-back -back state championship <laughs> coach that we've ever had in North Carolina state history. If I I could you know speak on the record books, but you know, Guru. I mean, another great interview with another great coach. Yeah, Coach uh, Fairby, uh, we appreciate you coming on here with us today on Talk of Preps OT, uh, going for your third uh, straight championship uh, there at Chambers High School. Uh, we appreciate your time, and uh, I'm going to look forward to watching this run as well. Uh, and and if I can provide some bulletin board material, hey, I'll do it for you as well. Uh, just don't take it personal against me, but, hey, we'll, we'll do our part <laughs> for you. All right, appreciate y'all.